Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Thunder Chats here coming to you with our presenting sponsor once again, betonline.ag. It is your number one source for all of your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is your always your sports information headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs. Basketball, MLB, NHL hockey, right to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BLEAV, that is capital letters BLEAV, believe, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Top of Thunder podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Huntzinger, at Thunder Chats. We are part of the Believe Network, and this podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Now that that is out of the way, I don't have any co-hosts with me today, but you are in for a treat because I am joined by a very special guest. So, joining us today, he hails from the Mile High City. He is a man who has worn many hats in the basketball space, including intern, coach, agent, consultant, and analyst. He has worked with the Washington Sports Agency, the NBA PA, FIBA International Basketball, BasketballNews.com, Cerebro Sports, and Draft Digest. He spent time in Italy coaching for, I'm going to butcher this, but I'm going to try, Ventus Palacanestro Bologna. He dropped a report three years ago that made us rethink everything that we held dear, and he is here to give us the lowdown on the NBA Draft and Combine. Ladies and gentlemen, the founder, owner, operator, and CEO of Babcock Hoops, please welcome for the first time on the Top of Thunder podcast, Matt Babcock. <laughs> thanks thanks for having me, and yeah, thanks for reminding me of uh, how many different stops I've had along the way in the last 15 years. Yeah, like I said, man, like you've, I mean, you've, you've been all, you've ran the whole gamut in terms of like the basketball world. We just gotta, we gotta get you to lace it up. Some, you know, sign a 10 day with a team or something. Yeah, I think my, my playing days are, uh, <laughs> you know, long, long gone. Yeah, but Matt, uh, I appreciate you coming on here, man. Uh, you know, like I said, you were our first time guest. So whenever we have a first time guest, we like to ask a couple background questions just so the listener can kind of, you know, get to know a little bit about that guest if they aren't familiar with your work, which I'm sure most of them are. But, you know, just in case, let's cover those bases. Um, so, you know, as like I said, we're many hats in basketball. Um, you you obviously have an affection for the game. Uh, I just got to ask, you know, growing up, who who was the team that you was rooting for? You know, I uh, my my dad's side of the family uh, is originally from uh, the New England area, so I, I grew up okay. in a Red Sox Celtics uh, fan. So yeah, Larry Bird was was my idol as, as a kid, and uh, my nice. my dad and my my uncles have all worked in the NBA now for a really long time. So I, I've obviously always rooted for their teams. And uh, once my dad started working in the NBA in the uh, late '90s, uh, kind of got away from being a Celtics fan. It was you know, NBA was a little bit too close to home, and, and you know, sort mm-hmm. of like work work for my my family. I understand that. Uh, that's cool, man, though, that you got like the the generations like, you know, working within the sport. So that, that's pretty cool. Um, let, let me ask you this. So, you know, obviously you talked about 
You know, you went from intern at Walt Osterman. You did that assistant coach stint over in Italy. And then you kind of, you know, you were an agent for a very long time with FIBA and NBA PA uh, before you got into the scouting consulting game. Um, what made you want to transition from kind of the agent side to, uh, you know, kind of more the scouting side and the draft side? You know, like I said, I, mean, I, I you know, grew up in a basketball family with my dad and two uncles working in the NBA. And you know, before my dad got in the NBA, he was a, he was a college coach for 15 years. So, uh, you know, I, mean, I grew up as a coach's son and, and as a player. And so I always thought, you know, I, I'd follow my, my family's footsteps and you know, be a quote unquote, like true basketball guy. And, um, you know, when I was in Italy, I, I got a job offer with Excel Sports Management to, to be a junior agent. And uh, it, it was just a good job opportunity for a young guy. You know, I thought it was, you know, be close enough you know, it, with basketball to, mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, scratch that itch that I had to, to follow my family's footsteps and, uh, you know, bounced around from agency to agency, ended up uh, having my own client list, my own company at one point. And uh, just the further I got into it, uh, the more I, I felt like I was getting detached from my, my childhood dream of, you know, being that basketball guy and, you know, watching the game, thinking the game. You know, I just felt like I was sort of, uh, you know, just recruiting these players and, and, and managing their business, but not mm-hmm. not really rolling up my sleeves and, and having my hands directly in, in it. And, uh, yeah, so I you know talked to my wife and I uh, just told her, you know, hey, it, it's going to be hard, hard to get out of this business. And the further I go, it'll get harder and harder and just made a drastic move and, and you know, kind of paid my dues for a year or two of uh, kind of get, getting my feet wet, you know, directly in scouting. And uh, fortunately, I was able to, to kind of break through. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I love that you kind of, uh, you know, A, you was able to kind of break out of that lane, you know, do something that, you know, kind of kind of for yourself, but also something that, you know, you seemingly enjoy. So um, talk about Babcock, yeah, Babcock Hoops for a little bit, because I know, you, like I said, you've, you've done, you've wrote for a few different sites. You've had a few different ventures the past couple of years, you know, Draft Digest, Cerebro Sports, Basketball News. Um, but Babcock sport or Babcock hoops, I'm sorry, uh, com has been around like through all of that. Like what was kind of your goal with that and what, what is your like vision for that site? You know, so what, what happened was when I first got out of the agency business, that the plan was, uh, to, to, you know, really make myself fully available to NBA teams. That, that was my, my primary focus was to get a job with, with, with a team. Uh, and I, and I got close, I, I got, you know, pretty much down to the wire with one team. Uh, and, and for whatever reason, it fell through. And uh, during that time, I was volunteer scouting for Marty Blake and Associates, which is uh, a scouting service that was put together by the NBA office years ago by Marty Blake. And his son, Ryan Blake, runs it now. He's a good good friend, a good family friend. And uh, it was kind of just, you know, helping him out and, and, and really just getting my feet wet scouting. Uh, even though I'd kind of been, uh, you know, sort of fly on the wall for years with my family, uh, you know, really kind of needed needed to get direct experience. So I was doing that. And, and then during that time, uh, the spring before the pre-draft process, uh, Sports Illustrated reached out to me and, and asked if I'd be interested in writing a series of stories about the, the NBA pre-draft process from an agent's perspective. And that was sort of uh, you know, sort of the combination of working for Marty Blake and Associates, you know, requesting media credentials uh, and, and, and writing for Sports Illustrated. I kind of, you know, got a grip of how the the media's, uh, you, know, you know, works and uh, mm-hmm. put, put together this idea of, of Babcock Hoops where I, what I did was create my own platform uh, where it was all, you know, just, uh, you know, uh, you know, emphasis of, of covering the NBA draft. And I brought on some of my friends that were uh, experienced NBA scouts that were in between jobs. And, you know, our whole approach was, hey, let's operate like we're an NBA team. Uh, let's get to know the players really well. And, and instead of, you know, doing it, you know, for the team, we'll do it in the media. We'll, we'll create content along the way. And uh, one thing led to another, and then basketball news came in and essentially, you know, bought out the media portion of that. But I was still doing consulting 
uh, for agencies, companies operating basketball teams. Uh, so I, you know, I still continue to run uh, all of my consulting through Babcock Hoops. I've just sort of uh, mm-hmm. you know compart- compartmentalized the the media part of it. Yeah, yeah, we had a uh, Derek Murray on last year, and you know he he spoke. You know that that was kind of my first understanding of you know you do consulting as well as like not just the scouting space because you know he talked about you know, the, the instances in which, you know, you all were consulting players. And uh, I mean, that's, you know, it, that's just like a super interesting concept to me because, you know, a lot, there's the scouting space, like, you know, there, there's a lot going on, uh, you know, this day and age in terms of like podcasting, draft Twitter, you know, what have you, but uh, the co- consulting space, you know, is kind of something that you don't really get to see a lot of, you know, it's more kind of behind the scenes. So uh, it, it's cool kind of, you know, seeing you at the forefront of that. I appreciate that. For sure, man. Well, hey, let's get into the nitty gritty. So uh, last week was the NBA Draft Combine. Um, you know, obviously, every most everybody went. You know, there were a few exceptions. But uh, just kind of kicking off the top, uh, who do you think – and this doesn't have to be one player. It could be a couple if you want to. But who do you think helped themselves the most by going to – or at the Draft Combine, whether it be the measurements, the interviews, or, you know, playing five on fives? You know, I mean, there's only so much inter- information that that's released as far as how guys are doing in the interviews. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. some stuff leaks, and there's rumors here and there. But I mean, most teams, you know, are keep, keeping that information pretty tight, and at least they should be. Uh, I mean, granted, yeah. a lot a lot of these teams' front offices are so big now; it's a lot different than, than it was in years past. Uh, but you know, I, I you know, from from my perspective, the guys that moved the needle the most are the guys that chose to play and played well. And so the, the two mm-hmm. names were. Uh, that, that really jumped off to me was Tristan Vucevic uh, from Serbia and uh, Olivia Max uh, Prosper from Marquette. Uh, two yeah. guys, they only played that first game and they they killed it and, um, you know, naturally decided to sit out the second day because they kind of, you know, came, came and did what they needed to do. And so both, mm-hmm. both those guys, uh, you know, moved, moved the need, at least in my book. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know a lot of Thunder fans were very intrigued by Vucevic just because, you know, we had Mike Biscala for the past couple of years and we lost him at the trade deadline. And he, he kind of feels a, you know, a similar role that Moose did as being like that stretch five that we can kind of bring in off the bench. But uh, yeah, I really liked Omax too, just because I liked his, uh, I liked his energy. Like he, he's just like an energy bell on the court. Like he's all over the place. His hustle is contagious. Uh, again, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to compare everybody to a Thunder player, but reminded me of, you know, a Kenrich Williams who's kind of all over the place. So, all right, I really like that. Um, let me, uh, I'm trying to figure out. Okay, so I worded this. Who would you say raised more questions than they answered at the combine? Um, you know, I, I don't know if anybody you know jumps off as far as raising more questions. I, I mm-hmm. think, I mean, a couple of guys, you know, struggled a little bit. I mean, I, I guess that, that, that would be the answer to your question. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, two, two guys that I, that I'm actually have gotten to be close with personally is uh, Dylan Mitchell from Texas. I, I thought he struggled mm-hmm. a little bit, which, which I was disappointed to see. I mean, Dylan's such a great kid and he, and he does have a lot of upside. Um, just, you know, what wasn't able to show, uh, all that well. And then Jalen Wilson from Kansas, you know, he had, he had the great year this year at KU and uh, he, he struggled a little bit too. And, um, you know, I think his lack of foot speed kind of stood out a little bit and two guys that, I, you know, I'm hoping, you know, are just sort of uh, isolated situations and, and can do well in their workouts and uh, sort of offset the, those couple of days in the live play of not, not doing all that well. Yeah. And Jalen Wilson is a guy that, you know, again, a lot of Thunder fans have kind of highlighted as somebody that they would like to bring in a second round, kind of, you know, an older player that can do a little bit of everything and contribute to the locker room. Um, but uh, yeah, Dylan Mitchell, I know uh, 
has he confirmed if he's staying in the draft or does it look like, has he still had the option to come back to Texas or? Uh, from my understanding, he, he's still, he's still deciding. I, I've not seen or heard gotcha. anything, uh, you know, concrete there. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I was just saying, you know, kind of good to have his option open, you know, like it's not end all be all this combine, uh, you know, he can go back to Texas and you'll kind of work out his game and, you know, try again next year and, you know, guys like Leonard Miller who, you know, struggled last year and came in and, you know, kind of showed out um, at, at least, you know, athletically and the testing and everything, um, you know, maybe he, that could be his path, but. Uh, no, ab- absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. That's a perfect mm-hmm. example is Leonard Miller. You know, everybody was, he was really buzzing and he decided to play, which I mean, I think some, some people, especially agents would probably say that was a mistake, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, I mean, he, you know, I think it was sort of an eye opener for him is that he needed to kind of get back in the lab and start polishing things up and keep working. And he did. And he, I mean, he had, a, he had a great year with the G league ignite. And I mean, now it's looking like he's a, he's, you know, chances are he's going to be probably drafted, you know, maybe somewhere in the twenties. Uh, and so uh, I think these guys that, um, you know, are kind of keeping the door door open of return to school, you know, Grant Nelson's another guy that I could have mentioned too, yeah. from North, North Dakota State, guy that I'm really high on. I, I really like his upside. Uh, you know, I, I hope, you know, guys like him and Dylan, if they do decide to go back to school, use Leonard, hey, you know, let's go back, go back to the drawing board, figure out what we need to work on and, uh, you know, get the work and, and you know, take, take another stab at it next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Grant Grant Nelson's a guy I've kind of got my eye on. I'm a huge Kentucky fan, so I know he put his name in the transfer portal. And uh, we're struggling for bodies right now. So, you know, if he decides to come back to school, I, I hope we kind of put a full court press on him because I, I don't really understand what Chris Livingston's doing, and I don't want to take up too much of your time on that. But uh, kind of what, what do you think his thought process is on that? You know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not real clear. Uh, you know, I mean, I, you know, sometimes I think these guys that, that are so highly rated out of high school sort of set a plan in place, uh, you know, mm-hmm. before they, they kind of do the work at, at school. Right. And, and so, uh, I mean, I think it's debatable, you know, as far as the reasons of why things didn't go as well this year. Uh, you know, I mean, I've, I've heard some people, you know, debate that he wasn't used properly. And I mean, I, I was at, I, you know, I was at one of those first games uh, in Indianapolis, but that that double header and, um, you know, right oh, off yeah. the bat, I mean, you know, and I'd watched Livingston in high school so many times and I, you know, I'm a big fan of his uh, as far as the the larger sample size of scouting him. And he just didn't look like himself. I, I think he had a hard time just kind of getting his confidence level to a certain to a certain point. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, as far as the draft goes, you know, I, we, we really don't know what's being discussed as far as with, mm-hmm. with his agent. And so maybe there's one team that that has has a feel for him like I do from scouting him at the high school level that's comfortable with giving you know giving him a, a verbal guarantee and so if he if he were to stay in the draft maybe it's a situation like that yeah for sure I mean he's got a lot of upside and you know he really turned it on towards the end of the year for Kentucky like I, I wish nothing but the best for him I just you know another another guy that I wish would you know kind of come back to Kentucky polish his game you know like Leonard Miller and then you know come in and what a lot of people are considering a weaker draft and you know maybe you help yourself maybe you're a lottery pick at that point so that, that that's just kind of my thought press process but we're not talking about Kentucky I'm sorry <laughs> um, let's get back into the thunder so uh, last year you know, we had uh, Jake Fisher on and he mentioned, you know, that there's always conversations going on during any time a lot of NBA heads get together, whether it's All-Star Weekend, Summer League and, and the draft combine. And he said that kind of the buzz going around was the Thunder's willingness to trade up for Jeremy Sohan, how much they like Jeremy Sohan. Obviously, that didn't happen. But, you know, that, that was just kind of a conversation going around. Um, it Was there any conversations around the Thunder's kind of going around that uh, – 
that you would be willing to share? Or I know the Thunder is like super secret in like their plans, but you know, other GMs talk kind of thing. You know, not, nothing specifically. I mean, obviously, you know, all you know, everybody always keeps an eye on OKC. I mean, especially mm-hmm. you know these last couple of years. I mean, Sam Sam Presti, who, who's you know one of one of the you know one of my favorite GMs in the league, if not my my most favorite. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's got a, a you know large group of young young players that that are talented that have even you know gotten close to hitting their their peak. I mean, aside from Shea, and uh, and then all these draft picks, all these draft assets. So I mean, they're they're a natural. Uh, you know, partner in trade discussions with everybody because they just have so much to offer. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think I think they're in a spot now where it's, you know, Sam's, you know, is, is so good at evaluating players and, you know, you know making making the right selections. He, he's got to figure out who he's committed to long term because it's just at a certain point, he's going to have too many guys and, and not enough spots to, to play ball, right? So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, you know, we're always, always keeping an eye on what's going on there. But, yeah, I, I didn't hear anything uh, too specific in regards to the Thunder or, or you know, what might while I was in Chicago. Yeah, and that's pretty par for the course when it comes to the Thunder, so I understand. Um, you know, let's kind of stick with the Thunder for a second before we go into the draft. You know, uh, you mentioned Shea. You mentioned some of the players that we have. I uh, just wanted to ask, kind of as an outside observer, what was your evaluation of the Thunder season? You know, I mean, I, they, I thought they overachieved. I mean, at least as far as what the initial expectations would be. I mean, you know, they're they're in rebuild mode, uh, but they nearly, you know, had a 500 record. And so, I mean, hats mm-hmm. off to them. I mean, Shea really turned it up another level. And that's that's even without playing with the, the second pick in the draft last year with yep. Chet Holmgren, right? And so, um, I think they're ahead of schedule. Uh, I mean, both Jalen Williams, uh, I thought, were, were terrific. And, um, you know, Giddy took another step in his development and, uh, yeah, I, I think Thunder fans should be really excited about what they've got going on. I mean, I, I think it could, uh, you know, the, the team could could eventually look a lot different in a few years uh, than it does right now, just because they're going to have to to figure out you know which guys they're committed to, and I, and I think naturally they are going to get to a certain point where they're probably going to start packaging these guys to, to upgrade certain spots. I mean, I think it's probably just a natural part of like this rebuilding process. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm very excited about what they have in place. All right. Yeah, we, we're all very excited as well. Um, you know, obviously we have pick 12, we have 37 and 50. You know, we have some pieces in place this year. We've got uh, a crap load of draft picks for the future. So uh, if I was to ask you, what would you say is their biggest needs that they need to push them over that next hump? Uh, what would you say that is? You know, I, I I don't think there's just like one glaring weakness or spot of, you know, hey, they, they need to address this or that. Uh, and, and what it seems like from the outside looking on in is that Sam is prioritizing uh, versatility. I mean, mo- modern NBA mm-hmm. basketball as far as having multiple ball handlers, guys that could do a number of different things or, or essentially do a little bit of everything, uh, including, you know, seven foot Chet Holmgren or, or, or Poku. Right. So, I mean, we've got uh, a lot of guys that check a lot of boxes. And so. Uh, you know, from from my standpoint, you know, doing a mock draft for a team that's got multiple picks is really challenging because I can't really incorporate, you know, trade talks in, in, into into these picks. Right. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, you know, doing the picks for the Thunder is challenging because I, I do think Sam is going to be wheeling and dealing come draft night. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's kind of funny you mentioned that you can't do trade talks uh, in mock drafts because, I swear, paying attention to like NFL mock drafts, like every one of them has mock trades. I'm like, man, you can't predict that. It's right. it's impossible. But uh, this has potential to be a record record scratch moment. But do you watch Ted Lasso by chance? I do, I do. You know, it's funny. I, my uh, my wife just walked in. We talked about watching the new start, starting the new season tonight. Oh, okay, okay. Well, 
still records crash because it's a minor spoiler for season three. So I, I will, I'll move on to my point. Just basically, we haven't started yet. <laughs> it's great, man. It's great. But now somebody uh, on Reddit, one of our listeners uh, compared what the Thunder are doing in terms of team building to uh, a style that they end up playing in Ted Lasso. So just, just keep that in mind as you know, right. you get through, through the greatness of Ted Lasso season three, but hey, no, noted. <laughs> there we go. All right. So, in the draft this year, you know, we have picked 12. Uh, in your mock draft you released today, you had Casey Wallace going number 12. As a Kentucky fan, I'm excited. I'm exuberant about that pick. But who are some other guys kind of around that range that you like for the Thunder? You know, obviously it depends on who's going to be there. But, I, you know, I think they, they need need somebody that probably, you know, kind of fits the the style that they, they've been kind of working with is, you know, checks a lot of boxes. And so, I mean, mm-hmm. I picked Casey Wallace there because, you know, he's – I think he's sort of just like a Swiss Army knife guard. I mean, he's really good defensively. He's a good rebounder. Uh, I actually think he's got the capability of doing more point guard stuff than he did at Kentucky yeah. this year. Um, you know, I mean, with Severe Wheeler, I mean, there, there's limitations on, on you know, who you can play with him and how you use them. And I think Ty Ty Washington was a good example of that last year. Uh, you know, and so I watched Ty Ty and Kaysen in high school a ton. And uh, I mean, Ty Ty even more so, you know, just a true point guard that that adapted mm-hmm. to being more of an off guard, but I, I do think Casein, uh, you know, fits that as well. Um, I mean, I think they could look at you know some of the other guards right there too. Keontae George at Baylor uh, is yeah. not, you know, it's not exactly the same as Casein, but you know, a big combo guard, uh, much more of a scorer than, than a Swiss Army knife. Uh, but I think he he could you know get a look there. Jordan Hawkins from UConn, I think, is interesting. Uh, you know, especially with their their team having so many different ball handlers and, and playmakers at you know essentially all, you know four or five different positions potentially at the same time in the court. Jordan Hawkins is a you know high volume off the ball shooter scorer uh, could be a nice sort of mix in there, uh, kind of similar to the success Isaiah Joe had this year mm-hmm. uh, within that team of, of just being you know a, a wing shooter scorer. Yeah, and you know we've talked about the past couple of years about how much gravity is important for Shea, like getting real spacing out there to kind of open up the lane for him. And Isaiah Joe was great for that, but he gets a lot of his threes just based off of like uh, spot ups and like relocating. Jordan Hawkins, a guy that kind of runs around like he's Steph Curry, running around a million screens all around the court, like that creates a whole new level of gravity. So um, I, I would be interested in. Hawkins, obviously, Case from Wallace and Keontae George, too. Uh, we had uh, Corey Tolliba and Albert Gamma of No Ceilings on the last episode, and they they really hyped up Keontae George. So I'm very excited about him as well. But um, outside of 12, you know, as we mentioned, we've got this treasure trove of picks. Uh, who are some potential guys kind of ahead of that range that you would really love to see OKC trading for? Okay, guys that are likely to be taken higher? Yeah, trading guys? up. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I left the up out. My fault. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, with, with them having such a versatile team, I mean, look at, at all these different guys. And, I mean, they've got they've got so many assets. They could, they could essentially go after everybody. I mean, probably outside of Victor, right? I mean, um, Sadly. you know, and so, I mean, you know, if they want to get into the Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller type deal, I mean, you know, I, I, I got I got blasted last year for uh, casually leaking a, a rumor that, that Shea was on the table for Kate Cunningham. I guess that was two years ago. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't want to hurt oh us. And I and, and I got I got I got to clear things up a little bit with Thunder fans. I was it was in an interview like this, and, and uh, Alex Kennedy was asking me, "Hey, what are some rumors you're hearing?" And I prefaced it as, "Hey, this is just a rumor. I'm not trying to break news here." Um, but yeah, no, I I had heard uh, you know that that rumor at one point, and oh my gosh, I I I'm still hearing about it. 
<laughs> so, you, but, uh, you and Jake, Jake, Jake's still the hitter in it from this day too. So right, right, right. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the top part of this draft is great. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily like the depth uh, top to bottom. I mean, let's see, you know, who, who who's sticking in the draft after May 31st, which is the NCAA early entrant uh, withdrawal deadline. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as, you know, guys looking to move up, I mean, I think Taylor Hendricks is an interesting guy, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a stretch for versatile defender, but it would, would fit in with a lot of the pieces they have in place. Cause he just provides a lot of defensive versatility, but doesn't need the ball in his hands can stretch the floor. Uh, Grady Dick, you know, I mean, a, a six, seven, six, eight shooter with some toughness and confidence. Um, you can plug a guy like that into pretty much any, any roster. Uh, so those are just a couple guys. Off top end. And then obviously, you know, the, the, the other guys with the Thompson twins, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, uh, Jairus Walker, um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Cam Whitmore. I mean, all, all of these players that, that are projected, you know, top top 10, uh, I, I think could could be options for the Thunder just because they've got so much lineup flexibility. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, it just goes to show you, like, we basically named the entire lottery in those past two questions. So, I mean, yeah, it goes exactly. to show you what kind of talent is there. Right. And, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I can't stress it enough. Like, lineup flexibility, switchability. I mean, mm-hmm. Sam's got it set up right now is, you know, he could p- pinpoint which guys that he likes upside wise and, and they all could fit theoretically. Yep, for sure, man. And uh, let's let's kind of transition to the second round here. So we've got a couple of cracks in the second round, 37 and 50. Uh, who are some guys that you think uh, could kind of slip through the cracks under that second round you could see OKC ending up with? You know, I, I alluded to this a little bit, but the, the second round right now, do, you know, doing a mock draft is is next to impossible because yeah. <laughs> you know we've got we've got this pending you know withdrawal deadline on the thirty first, and mm-hmm. you know I'm actually releasing a podcast on my my show, the Matt Babcock Show, tomorrow, um, and, and I, I sort of uh, you know talk about this as far as uh, the differences uh, now with NIL in place at the college level compared to years past, that this is a challenging decision for these guys that aren't projected as first round picks, because if they've got a lot of money on, on the table to go back to school, it, it really is hard to justify staying in unless they've got a verbal guarantee, because, you know, a lot of these teams in the second round have, have used, used their picks for uh, two-way contracts. And, you know, in the two-way contracts can be really good. I mean, it can be up to five hundred thousand, and it can be converted into a you know real NBA deal. Uh, but that's not guaranteed. I mean, they're very mm-hmm. team friendly, and so there's a lot of risk there. Uh, and so, this will probably be a better question for me. You know, in a little over a week. <laughs> I gotcha. Well, I, we'll be in touch. <laughs> um, all right. Let, let me ask you this. Uh, you kind of wrapping up here. Uh, this is a question I ask all all, all of our guests uh, whenever we're doing draft coverage. Um, using our three picks, 12, 37, and 50, if I was to ask you to give a fun draft combination with those picks, who would it be? And uh, I, I'll give the caveat, uh, try to stray away from your mock drafts just so we can have a few different names. I know you had Casey Wallace, you had Julian Phillips, and who was pick 50? I can't remember. Oh, I did Amani Bates. Amani Bates, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, so uh, – yeah. so- so I mean, I'll address what I what I actually did and why I did it, and some other names that would sort of fit the the same way of thinking is I mean, Casey okay. Wallace, like I said, check checks all the different boxes. I think is a versatile player that would fit what they're doing. And we obviously went through the the guys that the other the other players in that range could, could be considered. Uh, as far as their second pick, I mean, if they were to keep all three three picks, uh, I mean, I think they're running out of spots unless they kind of re re you know reform their their the roster and shake up mm-hmm. the roster a little bit. There's not a whole lot of spots to to play and. 
and that's not even just for next year. That's the next few years, right? And so, um, you know, if they were to take, you know, keep all those picks, I mean, probably, you know, would need to look at some guys with some upside uh, that they wouldn't have to depend on as much. And that's where Julian Phillips comes into play. I mean, he's a kid that very easily could go back to school, but he's got a lot of upside. And so he's a guy that's probably a couple years away, if not longer, um, but, you know, but probably would be, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting him to be a first round level guy in the next year or so. Uh, so at 37, let's look at him. And I mean, I think, you know, other players that, that fit that, fit that mold would be like a Dem Bono from UCLA. Uh, you know, I think, yeah. I think he's probably going back to school, but if he stayed in, you know, you're probably getting a first round level talent, uh, just a year early. Right. Um, Trying to think of another guy that might fit that, but I mean, Imani Bates the same thing. You know, he, he's he's a little bit older than Julian Phillips, but I, I you know I pegged him as the fiftieth pick. Obviously, there's some off court issues, character issues that that are that are being questioned. Uh, but I mean, at one point, I mean, this guy was considered a phenom, and mm-hmm. I, I, I I've watched him so many different times in high school. And I've seen all the issues. I mean, seen it firsthand. I've seen him, you know, lose his cool and cuss players and refs out, and I, I I've been concerned with him uh, for a while. Uh, but you know, I, the, the amount of negativity surrounding him, I think it is, is getting people away from looking at the positive side of this too, with him. And he's a six, eight, six, nine, you know, talented, tough shot maker that could hit shots with range. And so, you know, he's very thin, uh, you know, he's a little bit of a hothead and he's got a little bit of trouble, uh, but a six, eight, six, nine guy that can really shoot, shoot the ball and fill it up. I, I, I think there's a lot of upside there. And, and I think the biggest thing for me is that the combine he really showed a lot of maturity obviously he was on his best mm-hmm. behavior in front of the entire nba and guys like myself um but i, I do think he he's got a chance of, of you know using this you know last couple of years as a punch in the gut to wake up uh and, and, and from a basketball standpoint i think the biggest thing is he needs to get stronger but uh, but aside from that is getting him away from being an on-ball creator and thinking more of like a shooter. I mean, like, like we talked about with Jordan Hawkins, if Imani Bates played that way, I mean, he could be really special. I mean, I'd love for him to to really kind of take his game and watch a lot of film on like Reggie Miller and Ray Allen and uh, oh, you know, be, 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 be a shooter, be a movement yeah. shooter because he, he's proven to have, you know, supreme confidence, which is key for being a, being a shooter. He's got, he's got the size and, and he's got the ability of hitting tough shots. And so, you know, if you're in the mid, mid second round and he's still available, I think I, I would roll the dice and, 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 you know, see if we could kind of tap into that upside. Hey, I'm, I'm always for, you know, taking a, taking a swing in the second round on somebody that, you know, was towards the top of the draft and kind of fell down. Like I really wanted to draft BJ Boston, uh, you know, wherever he came out of his draft because he was a guy that was like a top five pick going into the year. And, you know, a lot of things happened that made him tumble down, but also, you know, UK ties. But yeah, I, I, I like the idea. I like, I like the thought process behind that. Uh, Matt, before we go, I, I asked everybody this one as well. If I were to ask you to give a bold prediction for the Thunder in this draft, what would it be? Bold prediction. I don't know how bold this is, but there'll there'll be some movement. Would be my be my my prediction here. All right, I like it. Moving up, moving down, moving out. You got a you got a preference? <laughs> hey, Sam, Sam Presti, special. Who knows? He, he's keeping us all on his toes always. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, hey, man, that perfect timing is right at right at the thirty minute mark. So, uh, Matt, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, can't thank you enough. Uh, you know, love all the all the things that you've been on. You know, like I said, I, I like reading your writing, uh, your mock drafts out there. Like you, <laughs> you wear a lot of hats out in the space. So go ahead and uh, you know let folks know where they can find you, find your work, anything you might be working on. 
Yeah, you know, you find my mock draft on on Draft Digest, which is a Sports Illustrated channel on the Fan Nation Network, and then uh, I'm also ho- the host of uh, the Matt Babcock Show, which is the podcast that is presented by Title League. Uh, th- those are the, the the two main things that I'm doing right now, and yeah, check it out. We've got we've got uh, a lot coming out in the next next month. All right, that sounds good, man. We'll definitely be sure to check you out on that. Um, I, I did terrible job researching for the intro. I didn't even know you had a podcast. So that is going in my podcast feed as we speak. Um, and yeah, once again, man, appreciate you coming on. Uh, you've been, uh, even awesome and hopefully we can have you on in the future. Yeah, no, anytime. I appreciate you having me and, uh, yeah, take care in the meantime. Hey guys, Dylan from the future here. Uh, sorry. I am currently in my truck for work, but, uh, as I was editing this podcast, I noticed that it's going to be kind of breakneck when you go from, the Matt Babcock interview to the second part of the podcast in which me and Cohen are answering Twitter questions. So this is just me kind of explaining that that is happening. And now that I've done that, uh, without further ado, the second half of the podcast. Hope you guys enjoy. All right. And welcome back in everybody. You just listened to part one of our podcast today in which we talked to Matt Babcock of, well, he's of a lot of things. So I'm not going to name all of them again, but it was a really awesome conversation. Uh, he, as he mentioned in the interview, he has a little bit of PTSD for how the whole um, Shay and Six for Cade rumor came about. So couldn't get any scoops out of him, but it was cool to get kind of the the background to that whole thing. Uh, I asked him off pod, and he basically said that he heard that from other teams. It wasn't from the Thunder. So you heard it here first. The Thunder never explicitly offered Shea and Six for Cade. That was just other teams theorizing based on pushing back the timeline, not having to pay Shea, all these things, thinking the Thunder were cheap once again. So, uh, shout out Jake Fisher. That never happened. But, uh, I'm rambling. It's late in the day. Um, this is the second part of the podcast. I'm not by myself. Joining me is the man, the myth, the legend, the underscone, Three cone. What up, cone? This is now the third time in a row. I think I've been the underscone, <laughs> so I'm kind of I kind of got a theme going on here. Uh, I'm doing good. You know, it's it's nice to hear all of the feelings about. There's no way in hell the Thunder ever offered that package. Feel validated. Uh, so yes. that's you know nice to hear because I always thought that was insane, and I'm glad it wasn't just me. Um, but yeah, doing good. You know, it's uh fun time nuggets just went to the final shout to them right, right now watching uh boston miami celtics up four at the moment jason tatum hits a pull-up jumper go up six so just waiting to see who goes there uh hopefully the celtics nice. win tonight because if they lose then we're gonna be without nba playoff basketball for like 10 days because the finals don't start till june 1st which would oh, suck geez. so hopefully boston can extend this series a little bit but yeah, you know, it's fun watching some hoops. And, of course, you know, with the Thunder, just waiting around right now until the draft and the offseason. Uh, I keep thinking about how it's going to look uh, in Summer League when Chet's finally able to play, you know, whoever we get here at pick 12. I feel like we should just form a Summer League super team, if I'm being honest. You know, just throw mm-hmm. all the guys out there, put Chet out there, let J-Dub go ahead and run some pick 12, ooze, all the guys, you know, go make a run for the Summer League chip. Hopefully we do just something like that. Put back out there, why not? Yeah, put Giddy back out there. Put Shea out there, actually. Give him a couple more reps to get to the MVP level. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, just doing good, watching hoops, uh, waiting for more Thunder stuff. Yeah, not 
I feel like nothing's really come out in the Thunder like landscape for quite some time now, mm-hmm. which you know is always how it goes here at the end of the playoffs. Par for course. Until man. next year yeah. when we win the final. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I will say I've uh, I've been doing some digging intel wise, you know, trying to you know pull back the curtain on some things that might be happening in Thunder in Thunder. Uh, I almost said Thunderland, but. Uh, it felt weird, so I aborted mission. Um, but, uh, you know, still trying to clarify some things. But once I get a handle on it, I will, I will bring that to the pod. And, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm interested. I'm uh, I'm excited if this is actually happening. So we'll, we'll let you guys know. A little bit of tease there. But, guys, uh, you know, draft stuff is happening. Like, we've had... I think we're at like 10 to 12 guests that we've had on now. Um, all of them, you know, some of them repping different companies. All of them have differing opinions. And I, I've really enjoyed the whole discourse and conversation, um, you know, talking to them, you know, just like differing opinions. So you can kind of see the side of both coins for pretty much every pro- prospect. Like, I mean, everybody loves Wimby, obviously. Um, and everybody loves Scoot. But like, once you get to Brandon Miller and down, everybody kind of has different views of the prospects. So I think it's been really valuable. But right now, uh, me and Cone about to do our own little Thunder Twitter and also Reddit. Shout out Reddit. Trying to be more active on that for our podcast. Um, but a little bit of Thunder Twitter, Reddit mailbag. So as you guys do, you guys showed up, showed out with the questions. So I'm not going to have any rhyme or reason for this because... Uh, I'll just be honest with you guys. I'm tired. I don't want to go back and forth to the questions and try to come up with a rhyme or reason. So I'm just going to go down the line and we're going to read it through. So, uh, Cohen, you ready to answer some questions here, brother? Yeah, man. Always ready. All right. Well, let's start with at Alex Dr. Prof, who says, what would need to happen on draft night that makes you say this? And it is a meme of Isaiah Joe on somebody's head. Looks like he's singing. Or maybe he's at I think a pulpit, actually. I think it's on the it's on the picture of Joe Biden from the "It's Jover" meme, and it's uh, the Isaiah okay. Jover meme. Yeah. See that that part went over my head, but yes, it, it is. It's Jover. So, um, now is it's Jover? Is that supposed to be a good thing or is that a bad thing? It's context? a bad thing. Yeah. If 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 it, if it's Jover, it's you know, like for example, when the Celtics were down like thirty last game against the Heat. It was Jover for them. So mm. it's not a good thing. So it sounds like it's like worst case scenario. Okay. Okay. Well, let's start with you, Cone. What would need to happen on draft night that would make you say it's Jover? I feel like there's not a ton. I mean, unless we just absolutely reach on someone like crazy that I'm like, I don't understand that. I've come to, I've kind of realized that Pressy's pretty good at this thing. So. You know, there are prospects I can like more than other ones, but if he takes somebody, I'm going to go ahead and trust in the fact that they're going to be good. You know, I feel like probably just the biggest thing like this off season overall, because I feel like that's a little bit easier is if we just don't add some size to the team. And I mean, just by adding Chet Holmgren, we're going to be adding some size of some sorts. So even like that's good. Like for it to be Jover, we'd have to like trade Shea or something like that, or just trade one of our top guys for a deal that I don't think makes sense. I don't think we're going to do something like that. There's some prospects I definitely like more than others, but I feel like for the most part in this draft, 
there's not really a lot of prospects I just don't like, like that I think are just going to be bad. Mm -hmm. I trust the system. I like the players we have here to kind of meld with any, I think that's a word. That sounded weird when I said that, um, to kind of blend with anybody that we end up drafting. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's certainly guys I would prefer, but if we take someone, I'm going to go ahead and trust in the vision. I think probably the, I mean, outside of something ridiculous, I just don't really want another like 18, 19 year old project guy. Like I would prefer if we got someone that's not necessarily like an NBA ready type thought guy where they're like 22 years old and they're not going to get much better. I just kind of want someone that could be a bit more of a contributor now because, you know, we're, we're already working on ooze. We're working on Poku. So I don't really want, at least not with that 12th pick, like in a second round pick. Sure. Go for it. But with mm -hmm. that 12th pick probably just would prefer a more NBA ready guy. If you ask me. That is all fair, and uh, I will say that according to Google, uh, the definition of meld actually has blend on there. So there Ooh, you go, Colin. Okay. You you were you were you were on the right track. Blend and combine. But yeah, no, I, uh, I I'm with you. I mean, you know, I'm gonna trust the press. You no matter what happens, like you know, even even if something was Jover, I would very quickly say that uh, it's back on. Uh, probably by the end of the night. Um, but my it's Jover, and this shouldn't be any surprise to anybody. So listen to the pod, follow me on Twitter, anything like that. If we take Ray and Repair at pick 12, it's Jover. Like, it, it's Jover for me, man. Like, I'm just, I, I don't want it. Like, I don't want a shorter, I, albeit bigger, Uzman Jang with the lower ceiling. I, I just, I'm good. I'm good off that. We, we don't need that. Yeah. Um, I will agree with so. you, Dylan. I I don't love him as a prospect. I mean, that kind of is, I guess, what I'm kind of talking about there, where I don't really want another project-type guy where I'm like not really sure what he's going to be at any point soon when we made a clear leap this season. And I personally think with Chet back, we're going to be really damn good next year. So we've already got a couple of project guys that you know could turn out to be great, but mm -hmm. I kind of want you know someone with potential, but... I, I think I've kind of gotten on board with everything that you've said about him as a prospect. I just, I don't see the vision as much there at 12. I think it's too early for him. Let's go. Let's go. Cone. Right, let's see. <laughs> we got, we got the Jerry connection going, the cone Jerry connection. That's yep. the chats cone connection now. All right, here we go. Uh, this, this is kind of uh, more up your alley than mine cone because it's like, you know, league wide trade. And like, I don't really have like a good, idea for value of some other players so uh, at mm -hmm. fanatic gabriel asks with the 76ers disappointments and possibly wanting to upgrade the team with a willard trade could you see the thunder taking on a tobias 30 million dollar expiring deal in a three-team trade if the blazers don't want to take his contract back what would presty want back in that deal yeah um i don't know about a dame to philly trade in particular um yeah, I don't really know how that would look, but I do think that Tobias is interesting as a salary dump. I think he's one of the more likely candidates. I know he was rumored for a while to potentially be a target towards us, but I feel like now more than ever, like after the Sixers elimination, they're going to look to make some big shift to the roster, especially if they lose James Harden, like they've got to do something. And if they want to clear up cap space, you know, it's not a great free agency class, but if they mm -hmm. could potentially, you know, be like, hey, 
maybe like a Kyrie or Chris Middleton, if they want to add someone in the spot of a guy like Tobias Harris, that's a bit more reliable. You know, he was the second option on a championship team. He's a free agent. Uh, so there are some solid players, even though it's not a stack class. So I could maybe see them being like, you know, we can get a free agent, but we've got to move off of Tobias's contract. They hit up Sam Presti, they're like, hey, we'll throw you a pick or, you know, something or a couple second rounders or just something to give you Tobias Harris, especially if the Thunder are like, hey, you know, we don't mind bringing in a win now player to just kind of see how things look this upcoming season. So I don't hate it, to be honest. Like, I've been a bit hesitant on some of the salary dumps that have been discussed both Tobias only having a single year left. If Philly is looking for, you know, a big time upgrade, maybe through free agency, then a salary jump to the Thunder, I think makes perfect sense. I mean, Daryl Moore and Sam Presti have made probably about 17 billion trades at this point. So why not another one? They give us a few assets. We take on a player who's like good, even though he's overpaid and the Sixers get a chance to kind of shake things up. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's out of the question. I think if we are ever going to do a salary dump thing, now is the time to do it. Like right here, this off season, if mm -hmm. we don't do it now, it's never going to happen because we're going to start having to give too much money out to people in extensions I think starting next year is when we're going to have to start giving out some serious money, maybe the year following, but sometimes. Yeah, I think Josh Giddy is the is first in line and then Jalen Williams and Chip the year after that. So, yeah, that'd be fun. Um, So, I, I, yeah, I like the idea as well. And I don't think Philly even needs to necessarily throw a pick at us. Um, you know, looking at the uh, from the Horford trade, we got a 25 first round pick from Philly. It's top six protected. And then if that doesn't convey, it goes to top four protected and 26 and 27. Uh, I think that if Philly just like unprotected that pick, it would help both parties because it gives us the prospects of a better pick, but it also gives Philly the freedom to, you know, trade picks around that pick, you know, because they, um, you know, they can trade, uh, you know, they, they can get weird with the protections on like future picks, but you know, this is something that the the Heat has had to do in the past uh, with us. You know, they had to, I think, either loosen pr the protections or completely unprotect the pick. Um, you know, so they had flexibility to move those other picks around uh, in the future. So it's a possibility for Philly. And, you know, I, I, I like what you're saying too about the fit of Tobias on this team. You know, just a guy that. You know, a lot of people, there's actually a question on here. Uh, I got to see. Uh, I, I don't think they tweeted it. I think they just sent it in DM. I think it was Wes Jamison. He said, could you see the Thunder pursuing a stretch four? And, you know, whether that means free agency, offseason, or trade, Tobias Harris, you know, kind of fits the profiles of, of a stretch four. So um, I could see the fit on the court. And also, you know, of note, Shea began his career playing alongside Tobias Harris. So that's true. I completely forgot they played together. Yeah, there's a very small connection, albeit small connection there within those players. But you know, I, I think that it could work. So yeah, and I mean he he's a good player. He's overpaid for sure. But mm -hmm. I do think Tobias is still a good player. I think people just see him as bad because they think of contracts and go, oh he's not worth a max therefore he like he's getting paid way too much therefore he's not good when in reality it was just philly had to throw him money to keep him around he's making too much money although they could have kept jimmy butler but that's a whole other thing but they felt like they had to throw money to keep him around and therefore he got overpaid but you know he's still a solid player and i think he'd be really good on this team so mm -hmm. yeah for sure and 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think between playing with the Clippers, playing with the Pistons before that, and playing with the Sixers, I don't think that he would have played with creators the level of Shea, Giddy, Dub, and Co. So we could all, yeah. we, we could see an unlocked version of Tobias Harris. Yeah, I mean, it was just it was like Alfred Payton back in Orlando. Like he got to play along Shea. But it was like Shea, Pat Bev. I mean, he got to play alongside Harden, but you know, Embiid was of course there as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's it, it would be a different situation for him, and also there would be you know less of the pressure to be a championship level third option or fourth option, I guess, behind Maxi Harden and Joel over there in Philly. So you know, who knows? And maybe I mean, if he's good here, he's not going to get another max. Like he's not going to ask for that. Maybe if he's good here, we get a solid veteran guy going forward mm-hmm. from like I don't know, like ten. 15 mil a year probably more likely so i don't hate it i know a lot a lot of people are probably listening to this and thinking that i'm insane for hyping up tobias harris i don't think he's an all-star or anything but i do think he's a good player in the right contract yeah for sure yeah i i, I agree with you i for, i completely forgot he was on the magic for a little bit i think the bucks were even the team that drafted him so he's been he's been on like a third of the teams in the league at this point yeah uh, toby's kind of been everywhere but you know, it's okay. He'll finally get a ring in OKC. Yeah, there you go. Um, let's see here. At SSJ Angelus asks, who do you all think will take the biggest leap of growth as a player this upcoming season on our current roster? Biggest leap. Do you want to go first on this one? I feel like I've answered most of the questions first. Yeah, no, you're good. Um Kind of got to think about biggest leap on the current roster. I, I thought you were going to just straight up say one guy in particular. I thought you were going to keep the brand going and just say. You think I'm just going to say Shay? No, I thought you were going to say. Oh, no. It, my mic went out. I didn't hear what you said. Oh, I thought you were just going to say ooze right off the bat. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jane gang. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's definitely a that's definitely a good one. There we go. I think I can hear you now. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely a good one. Um, you know, I think that it's natural to think that Ooze is going to improve just because uh, he struggled a lot in his rookie year. Like, we saw a lot of flashes, but he also had to come back from two different injuries at two different points of the season. You know, stints in the G League, inconsistent minutes in the rotation. Like, he had a lot of things factoring against him. And, you know, something that, you know, you kind of forget about with young players is, Coming in as a rookie, they don't have a full off season of like preparation. Like they go mm-hmm. through a lot of workouts, they go through the combine, and you know, after they drafted and they know what team they're on, you know, they have a very small window before, you know, summer league starts. And, you know, they're going through practice on that. And then they have, you know, training camp and then the season starts. Like they don't have a lot of time to, you know, really hone their craft or you know, work to improve levels of their game. So uh, there's not a lot of improvement in terms of like, you know, when we last saw them before the draft to their rookie year, like, you know, it's kind of what you see, what you get kind of thing. You know, there's some, you know, differentials in like how they process the game and, you know, how the, uh, the role that they play, but in terms of like their skill, they kind of are what they are. Um, but mm-hmm. after the rookie season, you know, after you know a whole season of like collecting data, seeing what they need to work on, and having that full off season, that is when you know real leaps can happen. So, yeah, I, Usman Jang is a good pick. 
shout out Cone. I, I didn't even think about that. Um, that's that's how tired I am right now. Um, and Shay, you know, I, I thought you were saying like stick with Shay because I'm like every time he gets time to go in the lab. Mm-hmm. Like, that's work true. On that's also craft. part of the brand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Every every time I say that, but um, you know, I, I can see Shay taking a jump and taking a leap, but he's also going to be working with Team Canada this year, so um, he didn't waste any time getting back in the gym. Um, you know, after our elimination for the playing game, but you know, he's not going to have as much time as he did last off season and his first full off season since he's been in OKC and we had this substantial leap. So, uh, that's a long winded question to say, I'm not picking either one of them. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to take Josh Giddy, man. Um, okay. just, just kind of what we've seen out of Josh Giddy. Um, you know, his mentality on the court, kind of off the court, how he attacks his workouts, how he attacks his, you know, off season. Um, yeah, I, I, I really like that. Um, also the fact that, you know, he's going to be working with chip. Um, and you know, I, I mean the shooting, like he's addressed multiple times in exit interviews, like that is something that he wants to improve on. And that is something that he has seen improvement on. And now, you know, he's seen it, you know, he believes in it. And, you know, he kind of trusts the process a little bit with, you know, reworking a jump shot, like kind of the best is yet to come kind of thing. So I I really think that, I mean, the dude had 31, 10 and nine in his first play in game, like in his first taste of the postseason basketball as a 20 year old. So, you know, the, the rest of the game is there, like, if he really hones on his craft and shooting and defense, which I think he's taken strides as a defender as well from, you know, the, what we saw at the beginning of his rookie year. Um, but if he really works in that stuff then yeah, I, I see him taking a substantial leap. Yeah. I mean, I think Josh is a good answer. He was someone that I thought about. I think I'm going to go with dub. I think I'm feeling yeah. a huge season from him. Um, you know, he was second in rookie of the year voting feels like he could be a future all-star. And I think he takes another step towards that path this season. I think the defensive improve, I mean, just the rate that we saw him improve over the course of the season, you now give him a full off season. He's used to the NBA. He gets to work with coaches this entire summer. He's continuously, you know, in the gym. I think Dubs is going to be incredible next season. I think the defense mm-hmm. looks even better than it did. I think the shooting is going to continue to trend the way that it did at the end of the season. I think he's going to continue to be a highly efficient shooter. Uh, you also give him a you know an anchor down low like Chet Holmgren, who can help him defensively as well, giving him a little takes taking a little pressure off of him, you know, and mm-hmm. alongside and Dort. I think J Dub is a piece of why we end up being a top ten defense this season. You know, he can create, he can do basically everything. And I think he's shown so much skill and it improved drastically over the course of the season to the point where he didn't even look like he was the same guy at the end of the year compared to how he did at the beginning of the year. It felt like two completely different players. And now you give him all this time to do some work. I think Dub is going to have an incredible season this upcoming year. And I think he's going to be my pick here. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, that's the benefit of having such a young roster is like, you, you expect improvement from like a lot of different guys. Um, you know, obviously D- Dub was another guy I was considering there. Uh, easy answer is Chet. 
you know, yeah. from from year one to year two, uh, I expect yeah. quite a bit of improvement for Chet. So, um, but yeah, man, I uh, there's a lot of candidates for this young team, but I, I feel solid with the picks that we said there. So, uh, let's go to at Black Dolphin Five, who says percent that the Thunder do a trade either at the draft or during the off season. Uh, I mean, Cone, I'll just go ahead and say I. I'm gonna say 95. Um, percent Yeah, that, that trade know, as, happens at some point. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think not even I, I, like I think if there's a trade that happens, it's it's for the draft. Like I don't think that we're gonna cash in assets and like bring in some big piece this off season. But I mm-hmm. think in terms of you know identifying somebody you want that is either ahead of where you're picking or, you know, is like in that late first round. We've talked to all these draft experts, like, you know, next year is going to be a rough draft. And we have four potential first round picks in that draft. And I think that you could really like use those pieces to, you know, kind of package and get up to, you know, a higher spot in the lottery or, you know, a lower first round spot to, you know, pick up value there. So uh, I think, I think it's pretty, um, pretty set in stone that we're going to at least try to move in, in this draft. But uh, yeah, I would say 95%. Yeah. I think I'm with you. It's, it feels pretty certain again, like last year, um, or unlike last year where, you know, I think the spot that we're in, because we don't have that top pick, it feels like we could see a trade up. I I think I said this on another podcast. I don't think we trade down. I think we stay at that 12 spot or move up. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some type of deal to move up. I think that's the way if we're going to cash in assets, it's in terms of this draft. I don't think we're going to make some big all-star splash like some people want us to make. I think we really want to see mm-hmm. this team and we have whoever we draft this year with Chet, the whole team healthy before we make any significant decisions about players for the future. So I think we go ahead. I'm, I'm honestly feeling like, I don't know, there's something in my gut that tells me we're trading up. Even if it's only a couple of spots, Mm -hmm. there's something that's telling me that one team in particular I've been thinking about is Utah at nine, where they, you know, just are in that stage that we were in a while ago where they're like, give us every single draft pick possible. I wouldn't be surprised if that's a team that we move up with. And for some reason right now, as we're doing this pod, I've got a feeling if you ask me today, I would say I feel really good about that. But like you said, for the entire off season making a trade, I would, I might even go up to like 97, 99%. I think it's really likely. I would be surprised if we do nothing, even if it's like we trade our second round pick and we trade down a couple spots in the second round or trade up a couple spots in the second round. Like we're going to do something, even if it's ridiculously small. Okay. I like it. Uh, let's say we do trade up to nine. Who are you taking, Kyle? I mean, it depends who's on the board, of course, but I mean, Mm -hmm. like there's all those guys that we've talked about before. If Taylor Hendricks is there, that's a beautiful spot to take him, I think. Um, You know, I'm a big Jairus Walker fan, although I saw the rumors that apparently the the Raptors really like Jairus Walker. I don't know if you saw that. There was – I don't even know how, Mm -hmm. like – actually legitimate of a report it was i just saw it from some reporter and it's so hard to know who is actually a legit source now because they took away verification so i can't check like just by looking at it so 
I could, I could rant about I could rant about everything that's happened to Twitter for like this entire podcast. But um, I think the report was something like that. The Raptors, you know, if they made a trade with the Blazers for pick three, they would consider taking Walker there. Like that's how much they like him. And he feels like a Raptors player, like a guy yeah. who's really like he's got like some length. He's got physicality to him. He just could continue to add to that team full of like bulkier guys. Although, you know, if they're trading, they're starting kind of over. But I do think him and Scotty Barnes would be kind of a fun pairing. It, it's kind of weird the more that I think about it. But I don't know. Apparently, the Raptors really like him. He feels like a Raptors type player. So if something like that happened, you know, he might go as early as that, which would suck because, like I said, I'm a big fan of his. But at the same time, that means a player, you know, that could have gone there or at four more guys drop down to us. So it's all kind of a ripple effect, but yeah, him Hendricks, uh, I've become more of a case to Wallace fan. I know you're excited about, probably to hear that. Um, Let's go, baby. I'm more of a fan of his Dylan just hit the, hit a very little, like kind of half-hearted fist pump. My man's <laughs> very tired out here. Um, but yeah, just a couple names. Yeah, absolutely. Um, trying to see here. Okay. Yeah. You, you did have case on your big board. Good, good man. Uh, we had a couple members of the unit that left Kaysen off their top 14, and I I just had questions. So, I wonder if they did that just because they knew that they were sending them to you. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think Jerry did. Also, I think Jerry's kind of upset because I was on the pod with him with one of our draft guests, and I brought up the idea of uh, drafting Kaysen with the idea that maybe Dort comes expendable at that point. And you can use this contract to get somebody, and you know how Jerry is adore it. So he became very defensive in that moment. As a fellow well, Dort enthusiast, I'm also mad at you, but I'll let it slide for this it. pod. Uh, there's, we'll, there's we'll the talk Jerry about it post pod, Dylan. Yeah, we'll okay, talk about it later. Fair. Okay, okay. Uh, so at underscore Corey Nick says, How do you see Jay Wills? I think he means Boom Williams. Minutes changing with the fully fit roster. G League minutes would seem harsh at this point. Uh, I answered the past two first, Collins. I'll let you tackle this. I mean, I still think he gets a decent bit of minutes. I think he's pretty solidified as our backup big right now. If the if mm-hmm. we don't draft a big, pretty much, I think we go into the season with Chet as the starting center and Jay Will as the backup. And I think that's a really good role for him. You know, having a floor spacer. We've got the the two types of defenders where Chet's a guy who's going to try and block your shot and Jable's going to draw the charge, uh, keep opposing offensive players on their toes. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I think he could be a really good backup big for us. I was very impressed with some of the stuff he did this season, especially coming in as a second round pick who wasn't supposed to get a ton of playing time and didn't for the start of the season with Chet getting hurt and all the other injuries that stacked up for him to come in and be our starting center in that playing game, both playing games. It was really impressive. I was really impressed with what he did this season stepping up. And so I think he's earned himself a role as our backup big going into the year. In terms of like minutes, I mean, it depends what Chet's minutes look like. I don't know if they're going to ease him into things to start off. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I would expect they kind of just let him go because he'll have played summer league. You know, he did all this rehab and stuff like that. But um, I don't know, around like 20 something minutes per game, 20 ish minutes per game. I think it's a pretty good spot for him. So something like that. Yeah, that seems right. And I don't really have much to add to that. That was that was pretty much my stance as well. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I think he's kind of become a little bit of a fan favorite just in the the way that he plays. Um, 
the uniqueness of his defense, and which you know he's one of the uh, one of the only defenders that you know just goes in and takes charge on anybody, even LeBron James, like he doesn't give a frick. Um, and mm-hmm. of course, boom, uh, whenever he, he sh- makes the three pointer. So, um, yeah, I really like Jalen Williams, and yeah, that's a good point, Cohen. I hadn't thought about that. Like, that's got to be jarring for opposing offenses. Like, you know, when Chet's on the floor, okay, he's gonna try to block everything. <laughs> when Jalen Williams is on the floor, he's like, oh, he's gonna slide in front of us and try to take every charge. So, that's yeah, that's it's really interesting. Two very like different styles of defensive play. I'm Curious to see how we use those two guys in kind of conjunction. I wonder if we get any weird minutes where it's like we, we slot Chet over to the four and put Jay Will at the five. I wonder if we see anything like that from Mark this season. Because with the person that we have now, we could see – I mean, we already saw some super funky lineups. But you put Chet out there now and, you know, as well as whoever we get at pick 12 or wherever we end up picking if we do end up trading up. Like, we're going to have some super funky lineups and rotations, which is super fun. I really like that. But – um, I'm just interested to see what Mark does with those two guys. And if we ever see uh, a block and charge combination type lineup from Mark at some point this season, I wouldn't be surprised at all with some of the stuff we saw this past year. Uh, he might even put Chet Poku Jaywell out there, put, you know, like Jeremiah Robinson Earl go all big ball, the opposite of what we did all season. I don't know. Mark likes oh, to do weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be, let's throw, that'd be wild. Let's throw Olivier Sar in there at the point while we're talking about it. Oh gosh! All right. Well, uh, we, we mentioned Olivier Sar, so let's get to the next question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the second at, we get to Olivier Sar, we're going to move on. Yeah, yeah. All right. So at Gallo, save me. Asks how much will Usman Jang improve this season? We kind of touched on this a little bit, but uh, I'll ask you, yeah. Cohen, once again. Um, what areas would you like to see Uz most improve in this season? Uh, I would just say consistency. I mean, we saw those flashes from him. Like there were moments where it's like, oh, this guy could be really good. Um, Honestly, one of the biggest things I might want to see is kind of just some aggression from him. When he's aggressive, he looked really Mm -hmm. good in some spots. You know, he was playing some solid defense. I liked when he was going ahead and attacking off the dribble. There were some times where it felt like you could tell he was a rookie out there and he felt kind of passive. Like he was not sure when it was his turn, you know, what he's supposed to do in the flow of the offense And I think if he just stays aggressive, he gets those minutes. I just want him to take a full advantage. You know, you make mistakes, you're a young player. It's what's going to happen. You're going to learn from those. Just be aggressive, do what you're going to do, and, you know, build up a little bit of consistency with some of those flashes that we saw, and it'll be a successful season. He doesn't have to be incredible or a high-level contributor or anything like that, I think, uh, for him to have a really, really solid year. Yeah, no, I I would agree with the aggressive – it, it just sucks, man. I mean, he's he's so big and like he's not super athletic, but you know, he can get to the rim. Like he's got a nice handle for his size. Like he has everything that you would need and it's just like that mindset. Like he, he just needs he needs that dog in him. Uh which kind of bleeds into the next question at OKC Skittles asks, Do a ranking of the team for most dog the least dog? And he gave the example, Dort is probably most dog and Ooze is probably least dog in his opinion. So, uh, Cone, I guess from the top of it, man, like if we're talking like top dog, like are, are we in agreement mm-hmm. with Lou Dort? I think Lou Dort and Shea are the top two guys that come to mind. I think I've got to put Lou at the top just because of mm-hmm. – you know, he, he had the the James Harden series, the Game 7 as an undrafted player. Like, 
those are dog type moments. <laughs> so, I, and also when you have that high level defensive stopper, that's like an automatic 50% boost to the dog in you. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think Lou ends up going in that top spot. Shay, of course, is also up there. Um, yeah, you know, so you got the some dog of the main. Some of the main guys on the roster, I feel like, I feel like J Dub has like an underrated, you know, level of dog in him. I think he's gonna be one of those guys that is gonna really annoy some teams this season when they're like, "Why is this guy so good?" And he just makes those high level plays. Uh, the defensive potential is there as well. So those are like the top guys that come to mind when we're talking about it. But you know. Hopefully, you know, that's the biggest error I want to see Ooze improve in this season is I want to see him rise up the he got that dog in him rankings. When By the time we do this pod <laughs> next year and we have this exact same question, I want Ooze to be like top five by the end of the year. Need that. Yeah, I would also have uh, Giddy, Chet, and Kenrich up near the top. Oh, Kenny uh, Hustle for sure. Yeah, he's he's got like the dog mentality as opposed to like, you know, the – the, the just dog in him in terms of like you know not backing down or whatnot like he's got the dog mentality of just like you know, hard nose like going at you a hundred percent of the time every level of the floor um yeah and giddy like you know obviously like he's a phenomenal basketball player but like he don't back down dude like remembering the play in whenever freaking josh yep. richardson hit him in the nuts he was like yeah don't pull that crap again Oh, that's amazing. And then Chet, um, you know, I mean, everybody talks about how how much of a competitor Chet Holmgren is. So, and, uh, you know, hopefully we get to see that dog. And, you know, we've kind of got glimpses of the dog just seeing how he's really attacked this rehab and, uh, you know, how how much he wants to be out there. The whole free seven movement, Sam Presti saying it's going to be hard to keep him off the summer league roster. So, yeah, I, I would say they're top dogs. Uh, if, we're, if we're going a couple lower level dogs, I'd say Poku's probably down there with Ooze. Um, trying to think. Joe's got a little bit of dog in him. Wiggs has got some dog in him. Isaiah uh, Joe was certified when he had that Mavericks game. He was certified from that moment oh, yeah. on. And, and that was like his first game with us, basically. Yeah. Uh, trying to think yeah i would say jre probably also is low on the dog raking yeah i can i i feel horrible that i forgot kenny hustle i'm still so (laughs) sad he wasn't with us i swear having him in those playing games would have been Mm -hmm. such a big difference in that minnesota game i mean i don't think we win still but i don't know a guy like kenny would have been huge against the height that's another guy that i'm really excited to get back well i know we talked a lot about chet and adding size Kenny doesn't really have the height, but just that physicality as well is something that I think is going to be huge for this team going forward. So, yeah, shout out to Kenny Hustle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, would have been really nice to have him. I think there was, there was a few different um, reasons we lost that game in Minnesota. I don't think that it was like a foregone conclusion we were going to lose. We just had a lot of things break badly there. So, uh, Kenny definitely mm-hmm. would have helped kind of being like a stabilizing force, especially off the bench, but um at evan etm says suppose asor or hendrix were to fall to number 10 if the magics were to call you and ask for the aforementioned kenny hustle and 12 for 10 would you make that deal connor no i couldn't do it it would break my heart i couldn't give up kenny hustle i just talked so many good things about him (laughs) to say i would give him up now i couldn't do it the 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 i think it's more interesting if both of them are there one of them is going to be there at pick 11. 
So, you know, call up the team at pick 11 and be like, hey, we're not giving you Kenny Hustle, but, you know, what about this future first-round pick from another team? Or here's, you know, our second-round pick or something like that. But Kenny yeah. Hustle is off limits, I've decided. putting I'm putting him on the untouchables list. Yeah, I'm just thinking, like, if – if I'm the Mavericks, like, why do I want to draft a rookie? Like, if I if I didn't get Vic or Scoot, like, why do I want a rookie? Like, they're not going to help me with Luca. If anything, I'm wanting to trade this pick to get more future picks to like restock my draft capital, so I can use those to try to trade for, you know, another vet, another, not necessarily star, because I don't think you're going to be able to get a star, but you know, another like fit piece to play alongside Luca. And so I I would rather have picks uh, if I was them instead of, um, you know, just Kenny and 12, because again, you're picking a rookie and that rookie's not really going to contribute a lot, especially to Luca at this point. So, and then the magic have 11. So I don't know how they would feel about it. I don't know how they feel about where their team is, if they still need to have, you know, these chips in place or whatever, but, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I think that uh, it, it does say, suppose, Asor or Hendrix. So I guess they're saying just one of them. But still, like, you know, my mindset is thinking that, mm. you know, like whenever I make a trade in fantasy football, I give those the other person a reason why it helps them. So if I'm saying Presti, I'm like, hey, you need – like a rookie's not going to help you with Luka Doncic. You need vets, and in order to get those vets, you need draft picks because draft capital is the currency in the NBA. I have that. I will offer that to you for that pick. And so that's that's how I would sell that. Yeah, I like the idea of it. I think Dallas does end up moving that pick for more win now pieces or a win now piece around Luka, mm-hmm. which will definitely make things interesting. We don't have the player that they're looking for because the only guy I think they're really looking for on our roster is like a Shea or a Lou, you know, guys that were probably that we're not going to trade for pick 10. So, yeah, um, I don't think we'll end up being too involved with them, but they're interesting. I think there's a lot of teams that could end up moving in this lottery because, you know, we've got like Portland at three. There's Houston at four, which is rumored to be thinking about trading the pick, which I I've got a lot of things to say about what Houston is doing. <laughs> I think they're completely screwing everything up, which I guess is good for us. But just don't make a video yeah. about it. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't lie, man. If they end up signing James Harden, I'm going to make a rant video about why it does not make sense for either of them and why they're ruining everything that they've done, which hasn't even been great so far. There have been a lot of issues, but I really do think they could build mm-hmm. something good there. I just think signing Harden makes absolutely no sense for that roster. I think trading pick four is one of the dumbest things they could do at this point. I don't know, man. I just, I don't know. I can rant about it if it actually does end up happening. I won't preemptively <laughs> rant. Um, but yeah, don't. so there could be a lot of movement. I think the Dallas Mavericks at 10 are like the most likely team in my opinion. Yeah, that that's definitely fair. Um, let's get to at Wheatley Hayden who says, you get to add one veteran player to this team, assuming Saric is not coming back. Who do you want and why? Any veteran player to this team. Now, if this Any means like vet. in the league, hmm, I'm going to look at Lopez. Brooke Lopez is an interesting piece. Yeah, he, really he, he would help season. defensively, and then you get the floor spacing, a little bit of splash mountain action. 
Yeah, I'm going to take a look at some of the uh, free agents that we've got coming up. Like I said, it's not a great class. Uh, I mean, I think as much as he said we were sinking ship, Jeremy Grant would not be bad whatsoever here. He's just going to oh, ask yeah. for a ton of money. Uh, mm -hmm. Harrison Barnes, I think, is also an interesting fit as kind of like a bigger wing-type player that can knock down some shots, you know, vet. Um, I think Josh Hart is amazing, but he's not going to end up coming here. Uh, that's yeah. another guy I would love to have on the roster. Not Dylan Brooks. No, thank you. Um, other like vet guys. I'm trying not to go too crazy. I'm trying to see if I can find some like lower level guys that can still be contributors. It's it's just such a weird class. Like there's a lot of good restricted free agents, which I think if the Thunder are going to offer money to somebody, I think it would be someone like that. Like Cam Johnson, for example, is a name that I think is going to get a ton of offers from other teams. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Maybe we offer Nikhil Alexander Walker contract, the Shea stopper, apparently. Uh, you know, bring yeah. his cousin on in. So I bet Shea would love that. I mean, he would. If we want to be like, hey, Shea, we're going to make you even happier and we bring him in. Um, we can go ahead and do that. You know what? My answer is going to be uh, Thunder Legend Taj Gibson. That's going to be my answer. Oh, my Lord. How is he still in the league, bro? He's got to be like 40-something um, at this point. Uh, he's about to turn 38, and the answer for why he's still in the league is Washington Wizards. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, shout out, Todd, the Thunder Legend. <laughs> the um, Thunder Legend. Yeah, also, One of the longest buzzer beaters in Thunder history. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot all about that. That feels like a fever dream that him and Dougie McBuckets were on our team. It does. That whole post-trade like deadline time where we traded Cameron Payne away – we brought in Doug McBuckets. We had Taj Gibson, the Stash Bros. It was a, a, a weird time in Thunder history. Or no, did we even? Uh, I don't even think we had Ennis at that point. God, what a yeah, yeah, yeah. That, we did. We traded Ennis for Carmelo. Mm, God, man, yeah, that whole. Yes, we traded Ennis and Doug McDermott for Carmelo. Anything that happened between Katie leaving and the like MVPG year feels like it just really just like that Russ MVP season, the all the stuff with the year that we had Melo, which by the way, shout out to Melo for his retirement. Uh, he mm -hmm. got a tweet from the Thunder, which you know, nice to see. Better but, late than never, I guess. <laughs> yeah, was I was starting to wonder if we were going to get one. I didn't think we were for a little we bit. We miss you, but... Grant. <laughs> Yeah, so oh man. All, all a fever dream, like you said. I feel like half that stuff, the stuff that's happened since Katie left is just not taking place. Mm hmm. Yeah, it was a uh, wild times, man. Wild times. Now, I will say, Maddie Mulls asked, you know, is this free agency or trade? And Hayden said both. So we kind of covered free agency. Is there a vet that you would like to see the Thunder trade for? Hmm. Some other vets. I know it's a so lot of people say. are enamored with the idea of bringing back Steven Adams. I don't know. Which vibes like and culture-wise, I like it. but Yeah, in terms of basketball fit, I just I don't know. I don't like the mm -hmm. idea of him kind of clogging up the paint for Shea. He doesn't really handle the ball. Like is That's kind of the whole thing we're building this with this roster, is guys that can handle the ball. Uh, I think his screen setting would be huge because we have literally nobody who sets like huge body. I mean, nobody in the league sets like these like physical screens like Adams outside of maybe mm -hmm. a select few guys. So that would bring a lot of value to the table, of course. But yeah, I don't know. He That's more of like, a, oh, that'd be so cool to see him back pick than a, 
you know, fits the team well type player to bring in at this point. So, yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's tough out here. Something I've kind of thought about <laughs> a little bit recently is that I think because of the playing tournament, like I tweeted this out a few days ago that it feels like there are so many teams that are right there on the verge of blowing it up, but aren't going to because, you know, and oh my God, this heat run that we're seeing right now is going to give so many teams hope that they should not have going forward. Mm-hmm. Like also, the fact that an eight seed is on the verge of making the NBA finals, they lost their first playing game. So they had to play two to get in, which gives teams even more hope. And now they're on the verge of making the NBA finals. They just lost the Celtics, by the way, uh, in game five. So we're gonna have to wait a little bit, but we get more basketball before the finals, which is cool. So I don't know. I feel, Cause I feel like the bulls could blow it up. Although I don't really love any of the players on their roster in terms of vets, except Caruso. Caruso is very good. He's a player yeah. like on the team. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It is, it's, it's kind of rough, kind of rough out here. I just don't see many like vets being available from teams that are going to be willing to give those guys up. This is random, and he's not a vet, but uh, I, I know it's been like a popular topic amongst Thunder fans, uh, given his ties to Oklahoma. How you feel about Austin Reeves signing an offer sheet with OKC? Austin Reeves here would be absolutely incredible. He is. He's really good. Like and he fits mm-hmm. this he would fit this team so well. Like you get a floor spacer, a solid defender, he can handle the ball like Reeves would be so good here. I think the Lakers match literally anything, but in terms of like a fit and how he would look as part of the Thunder, I think he'd be so good as part of this team. That's a restricted free agent. I'd be willing to throw some money at to see if we can go ahead and get him over here. But <clears throat> like I said, I don't think the Lakers are going to let him go. I don't think they make the mistake where they gave up like a guy that they actually kind of developed out of nowhere in Alex Caruso. Mm-hmm. They let him walk because they were cheap and now he's amazing. And he's a guy that they would have loved to have had the past couple of years. I don't think they make that mistake again with Reeves. Who's even younger. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a guy that I kind of highlighted going in towards the end of the season. And then, you know, obviously his, his play is kind of peaked in the playoffs. So I'm with you. I don't think the Lakers want to want to let him go. Uh, my buddy, he's a huge Lakers fan, and he, he doesn't want to let him go. So, yeah, I feel that. All right. We got a couple more questions here. Let's see here. So, at Alex underscore Bowler Jack says, give me your starting five with Chet against Denver and Miami. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like our starting five would just be pretty consistent no matter who we play, you know, being like Shea, Giddy, Dort, Jalen Williams, Dub, J Dub, J Teletubby, whatever you want, Santa, uh, and Chet. Like I feel like that's pretty much just going to be the starting five, depending on who we draft, what we do in the draft. Yeah, I think our starting five will just end up being the guys that we started this year, plus Chet, as opposed to J Will down low. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think it stays the same against either of those teams we've reached a point where we have some really solid starters so it's not like like this season i think partially because of the injury to chet and you know all the front court issues injury wise in total we had to do a bunch of different things like you know you play kenrich starting at one point poku was starting at one point in the season jwo would start we would just throw so many different guys in different areas because we had such a size disadvantage Chet's going to help make up some of that. I think we just, like you said, I think regardless of the team that we play, we just run those same guys. I don't see 
unless we somehow trade up to like one of the top picks, I don't see us benching any of those guys. And even then, unless like unless we had gotten number one and gotten Vic or gotten Scoot or something, we're gonna have the same starting five going into this year, like you were saying. Yep, absolutely. And it will be glorious. Uh, let's see here. So a couple be. more questions. At Shea underscore media asks, explain why hashtag cam fam is better than hashtag Jane gang. I will. I can't explain it, Matt, because it's not. I'm sorry. So that's that's my analysis there. Um, he there also asked, though, would Leonard Miller be a good fit in OKC? Uh, Cone, did, did you get a chance to listen to our last podcast with Corey Tulliba and I did, Albert Gim? I did not get a chance, no. I saw y'all talking about, I thought I heard y'all talk about Leonard Miller a decent bit. Um, but So yeah. fill me in a little bit. Uh, basically, so, you know, they, they're part of the draft app podcast. So, you know, stocks, whatever Wolf of Wall Street references. And so they have a segment that they do called sell me this pin in which they, you know, basically, you know, try to sell you on the prospect. And so I brought that to the podcast and I was saying, sell me this pin. And we did Keontae George. We did Bryce Sensabaugh and, uh, a little peek behind the curtain, I asked Tyler Rucker, who's the head of No Ceilings, I was like, you know, who's who's some of these guys that, you know, Albert and Corey could talk about that we haven't heard about? And he said, Leonard Miller, like off the rip. I'm like, all right, bet. So I said, Leonard Miller. And, you know, they both kind of laughed for a minute. And they're like, do you want to go? I was like, yeah, I'll go. And Albert's like, I'm not going to mince words. I don't think he's good at basketball. <laughs> And like, you know, he, he goes into all these things about why I'm like, you know, I mean, you just have to listen to it because like they just like they eviscerate Leonard Miller in this like small segment. And, you know, Corey's, you know, he's a little bit more diplomatic. He's like, you know, I I think that he would fit with the Thunder. I could see the Thunder taking him. But they're the only team in the lottery I could see taking him. And if they're the only team in the lottery I could see taking him, it kind of makes me wonder if he should be going in the lottery kind of thing. And, you know, that they had all the reasonings. A lot of it was like, I just don't believe that he's going to be able to shoot, which, you know, again, shout out to No Ceilings. Um, They put out a graphic today that kind of had his stats in the G League Ignite. He shot 28% last year from three. Uh, Hashtag not good. Um, and that yeah. was with Scoot kind of creating for him as well. But, um, yes, I mean, would we like Leonard Miller in OKC? Uh, kind of like Albert and Corey said, like if we were to trade back into the first round and take him as our second pick in the draft, I would be okay with that. Uh, but I am, I, I had to really reevaluate how I felt about Leonard Miller <laughs> after that podcast. Um, and I, I think it would be detrimental to take him at 12 at this point. I, I would rather have other guys there. Yeah. I'm, I've never been the biggest Leonard Miller guy. I mean, I like the, uh, I, in theory, I think he could be a good fit with what we're trying to do, but at the same time, like the shooting woes really worry me, especially when mm-hmm. we already have, you know, we've got Chet, who should be able to shoot from the get-go. Jay Will showed a knack for being able to knock down threes. You know, he didn't shoot 50% all year like he started, but he showed a knack for knocking down threes. And having a big that can shoot is so valuable when you have a team that has Shea on it. And the the whole the team as a whole just gets downhill. They like to attack inside. We already ha- need more shooting. 
I just I don't love the idea of adding a big that could clog up the paint a bit. Yeah, I'm I'm not the hugest fan. I think like you said, I would prefer if we were going to take him, let's take him with a second pick that we trade back up into the draft to take him with. But at mm-hmm. pick twelve, it would again, it would be one of those moments where I'm like, I'm going to trust Presty, but you know, it's not my favorite pick. <laughs> it's that was kind of like, yeah, like like we said, the over it or at the beginning, it's Isaiah Jover in that situation. But yeah, and uh, you know, and shout out to Rucker who said, you know, I, I messaged him afterwards. I was like, you set me up with that Leonard Miller spot because I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I thought you said it was Nathan and Maxwell whenever you asked me. Two other members of No Sailing who is very high on Leonard Miller, um, and he was like, uh, I immediately realized what I did, and it was too late to take it back. So I apologize. <laughs> but yeah, um, we will be having Nathan and Maxwell on. Uh, I think not next week, but the week after. So who knows? Maybe maybe they will shed some light on Leonard Miller that will make us feel better. <laughs> The two sides of the Leonard Miller spectrum will be evaluated coming up. Yes, the two extremes of the Leonard Miller spectrum. But um, all right, we got a couple more questions on Twitter, and we actually have a Reddit question. So um, at Uptown Funk Forty Five asks: Is Rui Hachimura attainable, and if so, would he fit in OKC? Another question: The Nuggets are clearly a force with a lot of size, both. Height and strength. Who do the Thunder need to draft or pick up in order to f- compete with them? I'm already accounting for Chet. I mean, I think we did a good job against the Nuggets this season. Didn't we split the season series with them? Uh, that or feels we, right. Or took I'll one double of, check. Or took one of four. That actually reminds me. I need to make a tweet about that. Oh, the Thunder took down the Nuggets, and the right the, eventually <laughs> when I I think they're going to win the finals. So. Black you know, Thunder, Thunder took down the NBA champions. Yeah, exactly. I need to make a tweet like that. Uh, but I feel like we've done a good job. I mean, we obviously don't have the size that the Nuggets do, but I feel like we have. Oh no! So we lost all three games against them. There. Did we end up? We did. We won one. We won our last game against them. We won one and three. Uh, for nice. some reason, I thought we split the series. But I mean, yeah, we my showed him. Decided to be slow on me, so I couldn't get it. <laughs> It's okay. The second I met, said that, I, need, I was like, I need to go fact check that because that feels wrong. But yeah, I mean, we did a good job. You know, I feel like Jokic doesn't typically have his dominant efforts against us. I feel like we do a good job of kind of containing him a little bit. Now in the game that we did win, Jokic didn't play, but that context does not matter here, in my opinion. So I think Chet being back will help. I, in general, just do feel like the Thunder are going to need a bit more size at some point to take kind of that leap and maybe we take someone in this draft that gives us some more of that size that gives us that physicality but i think you know having chet and just physical play from guys like lou dort j-dub uh Kemridge williams when he comes back from injury will be very valuable against the nuggets i think honestly the bigger issues is just how do you stop their offense in general rather than the size uh, one thing i do really hope we're able to address this season somehow is the fact that like we get destroyed by any athletic four. Like, I don't know if you noticed this over the course of the season, but I felt like every mm-hmm. time, like Aaron Gordon in particular, diced us up. Every time we played an athletic power forward, because we would swarm the center a bit because we just didn't have the, the size. 
So any athletic four just destroyed us. And in the Western Conference, there's a lot of those guys. So I hope we do pick up a bit more size and just some personnel to kind of help deal with an issue like that. So, you know, a bit broader than the Nuggets themselves. And you also, you mentioned Rui Hachimura. What does he like look like with the team? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Rui's good. I like him a lot. I think he's a good fit on the Lakers in particular. Uh, his shooting isn't going to be as good as it was in the playoffs the entire season, which is a bit of a worry for me. And I think the Lakers are going to offer him a decent bit of money to try and keep him back. Um, it would be cool to have as a four in this team. Like he is a guy that would give us some of that size and give us a little bit of physicality. I loved what he did in the playoffs. And yeah, I'd take him on the thunder. I just think the, he might get priced up a bit out of our range because teams are like, Oh, look how good he shot in the playoffs when I don't know how sustainable that is over the course of like a full 82 games. Yeah, for sure. And um, he's theoretically a guy that, you know, you could bring in and, you know, kind of help size up a little bit and, you know, could guard a guy like Aaron Gordon a little bit. So, um, yeah, I mean, if we're talking like draft, uh, I mean, Taylor Hendricks would help a lot, you know, just because like his defensive potential on the perimeter and interior, his shot blocking instincts. He's not the biggest guy, but, you know, he makes up for it with, you know, just same with Chet. Like, you know, he's not the biggest guy, but the instincts and understanding of like, you know, angles and being able to block shots with both hands, like very important and very critical and, you know, protecting the rim. Um, But there's another guy, Derek Lively, who Mm -hmm. the aforementioned Nathan Grubel has been, pining me for weeks just trying to get me to even entertain the notion that we would draft him at 12 and we should draft him at 12 and i'm still not there but you know we're gonna have the debate live on the podcast um but yeah he is a guy that you know is bigger he's a seven footer has passing instincts rim runner great defender He's not like super big, like you know, he's bigger than Chet, but like he's not, you know, he's not like a Joel Embiid or anything like that. Yeah. But you know, another guy who has really good shot blocking instincts. So you know, if you were going through the draft and you had in mind that you needed to size up, you needed to get bigger, he is an option. And also later in the draft, you have James Naji out of Barcelona, who he's a little bit shorter. I think he's six ten, six eleven, but built like a freaking tank and also has great defensive instincts. And he's a guy that you can get later in the draft. You know, he's another guy that where you could draft at 12 and then move back into the first round and grab a James Naji. So, and as I've told Nathan, that's what I would rather do than take Derek Lively. But Hey, we will have that debate <laughs> live on the podcast. There you go. Um, yeah. And I mean, like Anybody, anybody above six nine is an improvement in height for this team going into next mm-hmm. season. So, yeah. All right. So let's see here. We got two more. So, uh, all right. At Ali Karam Karamazov, Ali Karamazov. Um, it says Ben Glover uh, on his name. So. We'll go with Ben for now. Says, why do you hate long multi-skilled players? Kidding. That is a shot at Ray and Rupert and Anthony Black, two guys that I famously do not like in the draft. So, anyways, um, he says, are you willing to overpay to move up? Would you be willing to, quote, unquote, lose the deal in order to get picks five to seven? I mean, it depends what is considered overpaying. Like... 
Because I do feel like a lot of that's subjective. And it also depends a lot on who's there. Like, mm -hmm. if there's someone there at seven where we're like, they would be such a good fit, I'm willing to give up hell. I mean, we have so many assets. Mm -hmm. And if there's a player that you love in this draft, you don't know what opportunities are going to come along in the future. If you find an opportunity where a team's like, give me 12 and give me two firsts that you have in the future, and I'll let you move up a few spots. I see, or and like maybe even like a, a young guy, like a Trey man or something like that. Like you do it. If you get an opportunity mm -hmm. to move up in the draft to improve the team in a situation where, and by the way, that wasn't meant to be a shot at Trey man, just as an example of a young player, I could see the team asking for that. We're like, you know, maybe we'd move on. But if you get that opportunity, go for it. Even if teams are like, oh my God, like they give up how many first round picks to move up to this spot and this and that, like, do it. And I think Sam Presti showed this past draft with the ooze trade where he's like, I want both of these players. Like I want J-Dub. I want Uzman Jang. We're going to go ahead and give up these three first round picks because and again, a lot of people overreact because not all first round picks are made equal. It's not all mm -hmm. like this first round pick is the same value as that one. So they weren't phenomenal first round picks. But he showed that he was willing to give up three picks to get a guy that he wants. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a player available at like seven, eight, nine, and he's like, take these picks. and Or, or maybe even does what he did last year, and he just straight up trades for one without giving up 12. He tries to do the exact same thing where he's like, we'll amazing. give you these three future firsts because there's a player we really like here. And we're going to keep 12 because we think there's a guy who could follow to us as well. And if, you know, maybe someone's not there, we trade out of that pick, go down a couple of spots, get back some of the assets we gave up and kind of just, you know, cycle them through. So uh, there's a billion possibilities, but yeah, I don't think if there is a trade that you like, pay the price that you're going to have to because you don't know what opportunities are going to come ahead. Unless you're making a trade for like Rudy Gobert and you give up like 60,000 first round picks. <laughs> but another center next to Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, no, I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I, I would just add that players that I would trade up for, like obviously, like Scoot, Brandon Miller. Um, I'm out on all men. I don't, I don't want him in OKC. I think we have too many creators. Um, I'll take Azor, though. Absolutely. Uh, Cam Whitmore, Taylor Hendricks, Jarius Walker. Those guys, in my opinion, by my estimation, are I am willing to trade for. Trade up for, I mean. so. Hmm. Um, and, you know, if it takes two, three first-round picks, so be it. We still got, like, nine more. So uh, let's move to Reddit for these questions. So at or no not at i'm sorry this is reddit not twitter uh r slash twitbook plus asks how much does kenneth lofton kenneth lofton jr get paid for being nothing but a chet and wimby kryptonite i mean if you if you reach a point where one of them is dominating the league you throw a super max on and put them on your team and you're gonna win the chip Listen, man, I was saying we should have acquired Kenneth Lofton last year, but nobody nobody wanted to listen. The Chet Stopper, have him on your team. Never be stopped. Yeah. And now Vic, now Vic's in the West. We still don't have him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, it's, it's going to be a long time. The, the lack of a Kenneth Lofton acquisition this offseason is going to be what tears down this potential Oklahoma City dynasty, and Sam Presti will never hear the end of it from me. Yeah. So for those that are confused, uh, obviously Kenneth Lofton dominated Chet in the uh, in the summer league. Um, there, there was more to that than just pure domination over Chet, but you know we won't get into that. 
and then Amphiba play um, whenever Kenneth Lofton and Chet's team play Wimby in the championship. Uh, team USA won. Kenneth Lofton led the USA in scoring. So that's that's probably most likely where that's coming from. But, you know, he's a little thick daddy. Um, yeah, let's see here. He's a bulky guy. I, I love how there were so many takes about how Chet was going to fail in the league because Kenneth Lofton was bodying him. Like, he isn't built like a literal, like, He's one of the densest players in the league. Like the height and the weight, he is legitimately one of the heaviest players in the entire NBA. Like, you know, he kind of reminds me of, ironically, Zach Randolph. I do just see like a bit the of way Zach he's Randolph. built. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's uh, he's a strong, bulky dude. Like you're not mm-hmm. going to get many. You, there's like I think four or five players in the league that weigh more than Kenneth Lofton, or at least that that did back when that thing happened with Chet. So. All right, here we go. We got our last question here. So, um, first of all, shout out to all the Twitter followers and Reddit users that drop questions. We definitely appreciate you guys. And we're going to end it with this one. R slash Rumble 92 says, new to following the Thunder due to their exciting young core. Based in Australia, so why not support Josh Getty? Uh, just want to know who you think the Thunder will draft this year and why. Now, this doesn't have to be our official prediction come. We'll definitely do that before the draft. But just mm-hmm. based on what you've seen so far, based on what you've heard so far about the prospects and everything, let's say the Thunder stay at 12. Who do you have mm-hmm. them drafting? And why? I'm starting to get a feeling about Keontae George. Yes. He's, he's a guy that has I've started to like a lot more. And also, for some reason... I don't know what it is. Something about him. I feel like he'll be available. I think he's going to be a good player. And it, for some reason, it just feels like that's the outcome. I cannot describe what it is. It's literally just a gut feeling because we have no idea what order the guys on the board are going to go. Like like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, it's going to be Vic at one, and then it's Scoot and Miller in some order. And again, if scoot doesn't go second to the hornets and he falls to three that's going to be absolutely ridiculous and it's going to make me even more mad at the blazers if they trade the third pick which could have been scoot for a win now player on dame another team that i could rant about for a while but <laughs> after those guys we don't know what order anybody's going to go in so we don't know who's available but for some reason i cannot explain it keontae george just feels like he's going to end up being a thunder i don't know what it is and if he is i'd be extremely happy yeah, he, he's another guy that Corey and Albert like started just waxing poetic about in that last podcast. And um, when I tell you they made some good points, this this is how good the points they made. Uh, when we put our big boards out before the lottery, uh, I kind of had him in like the 15 to 20 range. I didn't rank him in my top 14. Uh, after hearing Corey and Albert on our podcast, hearing him on their podcast with like the video breakdown and everything, I've moved him to number eight ahead of Case and Wallace. Wow. That's, to move him yeah. ahead of your Kentucky guy? Wow. Mm-hmm. That's how high I that am episode. on him, man. Yeah, yeah nah, he he's... Go, I need to go dive in deep to what they're saying over there on their pod about him because apparently he is... I don't know, man. It's. I mean, I've, I see a lot of it. Like, I see what he's mm-hmm. able to do. And theoretically, he could be that archetype that is huge off the bench for a lot of competitive teams. Yeah. And, you know, man, if he if he ends up panning out, that would be a great player to get there at pick 12. Like, I really do see a lot of crazy upside in him. But 
I mean, to even hear you say you're putting him over someone from Kentucky, that's like earth shattering news <laughs> to hear over here. Yeah, I just think that, you know, Kaysen's obviously a better defender. Like, Kaysen's probably the best defender in this draft in terms of, like, perimeter defender. But offensively, Keontae George is so dynamic in what he can do. Like, Kaysen can do a little bit of everything on offense, but one thing Keontae has on him is scoring for one but shooting for two. And you didn't see, like, too much of it. In, in his college game in terms of like the counting stats, but you know, something that is very important in evaluating draft prospects and something that I didn't have for Keontae George is context. And Corey and Albert highlighted this in their podcast um, that, you know, he had had this like crazy season. His percentages were great on high volume and he got shook up on like the back half of the year. I think it was his ankle. And his last like seven or eight games, you know, he just kind of fell off a cliff in terms of like his efficiency and that cratered like his, you know, the rest of the season efficiency. And, you know, we, we have recency bias as sports fans. Like, you know, we take what we've seen most recently and that's kind of, that's how we form our opinion. But if you take Mm -hmm. the whole of the season, you take the context of the situation, you see that he's able to do an on ball, off ball, he has scoring potential. He can create his own shot. He's a legitimate movement shooter. He's a guy you can run off screens. He's a guy that can run all around the court and get open, kind of like a Jordan Hawkins type player. He's not Case Wallace on defense, but he's big enough and built enough that he's not going to be moved easily. He is a physical defender, a guy that you know can you know kind of push bump defenders off of their spots, like. Yeah, and, and af- athletically, like he's one of the best athletes in this draft, and he's not like super tall. That's like my one hang up on him, him and Kaysen, honestly. Um, because aside from Dort, who was undrafted and signed as a free agent, we haven't really signed anybody that's like super short. Uh, I think he's listed at 6'3, six, 6'4, six, but he's not small by any stretch of the imagination, just by how strong he is. He doesn't play sh- small. So, um, yeah. Keontae, Keontae George, I'm with you, man. Like I, I, I'm starting to think that he might be that guy. If like you know, I, I've obviously like Brandon Miller, Scoot Wimby, like they're the dream. Like Wimby's never happening. Scoot, Brandon Miller, seem possible, but like those four guys, Oscar Thompson, Taylor Hendricks, Cam Whitmore, Jairus Walker. If none of them are there and we can't move up. Keontae George, I think, would be a home run for the Thunder. Yeah, man. I've I've been excited to get on a pod to talk a bit about how I've kind of become one of the Keontae George guys, and I I see it. I feel like he's going to be really, really good. So if he's there at 12, like you said, it's a home run in my opinion. So for some reason, I've got that gut feeling that Keontae George is going to end up being the guy, although I also had a gut feeling that we were going to get James Booknight a couple of years ago at pick six, which I'm very <laughs> glad that did not end up being the outcome for the Thunder. But yeah, maybe this one will be different. Yeah, that being said, that's not my prediction. I was just saying I agree with your prediction. My prediction okay. as of right now is the Thunder get crazy. They do what some people may consider a reach. They take what some people may consider a prospect. And they take Bilal Koulibaly out of the Mets 92 team. You know, he's a guy that is very raw still, but like super athletic, 
still growing. I think he was six six at the beginning of the draft cycle. He's six eight now. He's got like a seven three, seven four wingspan. Um, I think his shooting's up in like the upper thirties now. And he can do a little bit of everything on the ball. Absolutely defensive menace. He's a guy that I can see you taking and at first playing him off the bench with guys like Trey Mann, but eventually he can be your creator off the bench. So he, I think he could be your sixth man and even in the future, cover your ears, Jerry, and I guess come cover your ears too, could replace Lou Dort and give you even more lineup versatility in terms of defense. Like just, just imagine the length on the floor of Shea Blau, Josh Giddy, Jalen Williams, Chet Holmgren lineup. Like, that's absolutely insane. So, uh, Blau Kulabali is my guy. Uh, you know, he didn't get to go to the combine, do his measurements, do athletic testing, five-on-fives, interviews, or anything like that. Um, and there's rumor that he might have a promise and that kind of flew under the radar because, you know, he's still playing in the playoffs. But, you know, we'll see. I, I just – he was a guy that I highlighted like January February of a guy that I really liked for the Thunder, and he's just shot up draft boards ever since then, and I, I could see the Thunder taking him. He does feel like a guy that we could potentially go with. I would not be shocked whatsoever. I think he, we would take him and people would be like, who the hell is this guy? And – you know, again, I don't love the idea of a project type player. I do like the idea of defensive versatility because it feels like we're kind of building a defensive minded team. We've got Lou, of course. Shea showed some potential on that end as well. The season he was really mm-hmm. solid. You know, Chet, I feel like this could be a good defensive team going forward. That could be our identity. And he definitely does add to that. But yeah, I, I haven't watched enough of him quite yet. He's one of those guys I need to get around to because like you're set, he just feels like a Thunder guy. He feels like somebody OKC would end up taking and everybody's like, who the hell is this guy? Um, but I do think there's a lot of potential there. I just haven't watched enough to decide if I love it or if I'm you know kind of iffy on it yet. So right after yeah. this, I'm going to go watch uh, Bilal tape the second we end this that's how i'm going to spend my night is watching him play basketball and decide if it, if it's jover or not if we select him <laughs> i love it i love it yeah he's he's kind of a have your cake and eat it too type of guy because like i said he's very raw he's got a lot of potential but he's a guy that is contributing right now on a mm-hmm. team that is trying to win the championship in the uh, uh it's not the euro league the french league um you know with, with victor Wembanyama. so He's a guy that, you know, while he is raw and has potential, he's still a guy that is going to compete and probably play it right away for this team. So, yeah, I I like him a lot. I I think I had him on my board at 12. Yeah, I had him at 12, and I think I'm going to move him up to 11, maybe 10 by the next time our board comes out. So, Okay. Okay, getting some inside scoop on your board. Uh, I'll have Keontae George at number one is the decision Uh-oh. that I've made. So I love it. Wimby's out of the question, so I might as well put somebody else there. <laughs> yeah, man. it's I love these drafts where it's like, like they sent Brian Windhorst to Paris because it's so yeah. like obvious that Vic's going number one. Like That is hilarious to me that that's just how good he is. Man, I was hoping he would end up in the East. Ugh, the Spurs are going to build another dynasty. Greg Popovich is going to coach until he's 150 years old, man. It's never going to end. 
uh, Victor Victor Wembanyama Jr. is going to come into the league in like 50 years, and he's going to be a dog too. Uh, Yeah, I really wanted to see him go to the Pacers because, you know, the East, but also Mm -hmm. playing with Tyrese Halliburton. But it did not happen, so. No. It's all right. At least the Rockets didn't get him. That was the big win for me. Yeah, that was the, the big worry was that he was going to go to like I didn't want I didn't want him in Orlando either. Like even though they're in the East, the thought of mm-hmm. Orlando getting Vic to put with Paolo, been scary. Franz, yeah. Oh my god, yeah, that would have been absolutely terrifying. So that's one team I'm very glad did not get him. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, I mean I think there's a lot of fun prospects there at twelve. It's a good spot to be in because it is a feels like a very deep draft class that has mm-hmm. potential to have a lot of players that make an impact right away, which, you know, again, is kind of what I'm hoping for. I don't need somebody to be amazing right away, but it would be cool if we got some of that kind of impact at the game from the get-go. And, you know, if Bilal is a high-level defender from the beginning, then that is, you know, something that this team could use as we continue to try and establish that identity. So, Yeah. And uh, famous last words, you know, before I started recording with Cohen, I said, you know, this shouldn't go anywhere past an hour. <laughs> we're approaching the hour 20 mark. Uh, we're done with questions, yeah. though. But, you know, whenever I ask for questions, you guys take the time to ask the questions. So I just feel like we should take the time to answer them. So all the questions have been answered. Once again, appreciate you guys for participating in that. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the Matt Babcock interview at the beginning. Um, it was cool to kind of get his perspective on some of the guys, you know, kind of looking uh from the inside on the combine and also, you know, just like breathing a three year sigh of relief and knowing that the thunder didn't actually offer Shay and six for Cade Cunningham. Um, but yeah, also uh, shout out. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, me and cone answering all your questions. We did the best we could, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it, it was fun, fun talking shop, but until then, I think our next episode Oh, crap. I actually need to pull that up. Oh, I think... Oh, God. Who is our next episode? <laughs> this is this well, is terrible podcast. Well, Dylan's finding this. I'm going to real quick say that uh, I had to tweet that again kind of resurfaced because I think I was thinking about the Kate thing, and I remembered I tweeted a while ago basically saying that when the rumors are going around that I would not trade Shea straight up for the number one overall pick. I was saying I wouldn't do it I believe Shea is because I've long time been on the Shea trainer that he's going to be the number one option capable on a championship team. He's going to be an all-star. He's going to be an all NBA player. I think he, he could be a future MVP. I was on that train for a while. And so when all those rumors are going around, I was like, I would not trade Shea straight up for the number one overall pick. And I got called crazy by people. And so now I just hope people realize that it was not as insane. Maybe it was at the time and I just got really lucky, but I wanted to bring that up again because um, it came back up on my timeline for some reason. I don't remember why. Hey, well, hey, I, I'm right there with you. I think we've been in lockstep in saying that Shake can be a number one option on a championship team for the past couple of years now. Uh, I, I think collectively, me and you are the biggest Shea fans on the planet. So um, while Victor Wimbanyama probably yeah, has potential to be better than Shea, uh, I think you know what we've seen from Shea so far and our bias also. Uh, yeah, we're, we're keeping Shay on that. But I did figure out who our next show is. So Friday night, we will be recording with Chip Jones at Chip J NBA of Swish Theory. Also has a YouTube channel. Uh, he's, you know, an established up and coming scout. He was actually 
going to be taking part in the G League Elite Camp. Um, and he wasn't going to be able to record with us, but uh, now he is able to record with us. So that is awesome. Very excited to talk to him. And then Monday we will be talking with Sam Ferris and Richard Stamen of Draft Dummies. Uh, Richard is Mavs Draft on Twitter. Uh, for those of you guys that don't know, and Sam is actually Draft Dummies on Twitter. So, uh, yeah, we've got a couple awesome episodes lined up for you. I'm going to try to see, of course, as soon as I freaking close out of my messages. I'm just trying to get a little bit of tease of who else we got coming up here. So, uh, then we got Ben Pfeiffer uh, coming on on the second. And then the aforementioned Nathan Grubel, Maxwell Baumbach uh, will be coming on the fourth. And then we'll be getting into Thunder-centric content. So we have a Thunder Twitter episode mm-hmm. planned. We have the OK3 uh, Spaces crew of Shea Media, OK Skittles, and uh, Alex Dr. Prof coming on. We're going to be bringing back some No Seamless guys for another episode of the Mock Draft Wars. Then we will be having our Thunder Roundtable pod that, we do the, that we've done the past couple of years with Andrew Schleck, Ryan Styles, Brandon Rebar. And then we'll have our pre-draft check-in with the unit. That's where we'll give our predictions for what happens with the draft and everything. And then, of course, we will be doing some kind of live content for the draft, probably doing spaces again. So it's going to be an absolutely phenomenal time. Uh, you know, got some great guests lined up. A lot of coverage coming your way, so uh, keep it here with the Top of Thunder podcast. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're we're not stopping this train, man. Like we're just going to keep barreling forward. And I'm rambling again. I'm tired. So hope everybody has a great night. God bless. Hoop when you can. And as always, Thunder up. Thunder up. Thank you for listening to the Topic Thunder Podcast. Our podcast is available to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a positive review, and follow us on Twitter, at OKC Topic Thunder. Thunder up! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.